Welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockton Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Bike Pack Adventures podcast. I'm uh, sitting here in my setup, looking outside and just seeing a ton of snow coming down. So, uh, which is good because it's no longer rain. It was raining this morning and uh, now it's freezing. So, luckily, I got this driveway cleaned. I got everything done. And now I can just sit back, relax, and do a few things that are a little bit more fun, like podcasting. And um, yeah, so what's new with me? Um, well, let's start back at Sunday. Sunday last week, I I went fat biking with a few friends. A couple of the guys rented fat bikes, and my buddy Alex has a Panorama Shock's, uh 2022 version. So um, yeah, we went to the LaRose Forest and uh, met up at the Mono Center. So a couple of guys could rent their fat bikes there, and uh, it was awesome. We had such a good time. It was tough, it was tough, tough riding because the the snow was like super soupy, more like a stew. If you didn't ride dead center in the track, you would just slip off. Um, you know, it'd been compacted once or twice with the uh, with the groomer, and probably had a few people snowshoe on it, but not enough to really pack it down. And, and I think it's a really no, my limited experience, I think you need cold weather for that snow to settle. So if it's, you know, if it's just below zero and you have a big dump of snow and it gets packed and stuff, it takes time for that to get really settled down. So I think you probably need a day or two after it's compacted for that to really, you know, become like a crusty snow, get through a couple nights of uh, settling. But we didn't have that. And uh, yeah, so pretty hard on the trails, but um it was fun. It was a great experience. And, uh, yeah, the guy who runs the mono center. So Jean Sebastien, JS, if you wish, super friendly dude. He, uh, he gave us lots of advice about which tire pressure to run, how low to keep it, especially for the softer conditions. Uh, and funnily enough, funnily, funnily enough, he also recognized my voice and was like, you have a podcast, don't you? Probably because he's heard me talk about the panorama bike and, kind of put two and two together so yeah uh, really nice guy though so um, if you are planning to do fat biking and you don't have a fat bike and you're like I'm not going to invest in one but I'd love to rent one the LaRose Forest Trails are pretty sweet and uh, you can get a bike right there at the Mono Center I think it's like 40 or 50 dollars for three hours I'm not sure I don't remember the price but it's something around there so it's pretty good and if you really want to get out there for more than three hours then I think they have a whole day price too and That'd be pretty long. You'd have to be out for a real mission if you're going to stay out there more than three hours. Uh, What else? 
yeah, it was really interesting. I learned a lot about how the grooming machines work and why the uphills are, you know, soupier. It's because they, the, the machine floats as it climbs a hill and um, all that fun stuff. So really interesting. Yeah, and on that note, if you're looking to buy a fat bike, I could recommend the Panorama Shake Shocks. It's what I'm riding right now. And um, it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's carbon fiber. It's lightweight. It's got 27.5 by 4.5 inch tires studdable which i just did this week uh while watching a movie and a hockey game so it was a, a long night of pushing studs into a tire but yeah the fact that they're studdable actually saves you money because lots of tires lots of fat bikes come with tires that are not studdable and when you have those then if you want to put studs you got to go buy new tires which is just kind of an investment that you have to already dish out on top of a brand new bike so finding a bike that has tires that can be studded is pretty sweet uh, what else? It comes with a dropper post, which I'm still trying to get used to, but if you're more of the person who wants just a little bit of squish, a little bit of suspension to eat up some of the bumps, you can also get Redshift shock stop suspension system, so promotion time. If you guys use the codes BPA15 for Bike Pack Adventures, BPA15, either at Panorama on the Shick Shocks Fat Bike or Redshift Sports for any of their products, you'll save 15%, which is sweet. And... It lets Panorama know and Redshift know that people are listening and, you know, there's a connection there and you guys are supporting companies that support me, which is sweet. So, yeah, you could always use that code. Um, what else? Yeah, so I've been just out riding this week. Um, lots of fat bike, but mostly around the neighborhood or just the, the south end of a, the south end, the, the end of a trail closest to my house. And I just let my dog run and she has fun and it's just the way we spend our time. Canadian Shield Bikepacking Summit is still in the works. Most of the presenter lineup is confirmed, which is awesome. It's really exciting to see it kind of coming together, and I will start letting you know more about that soon. The website's in development, and it's almost ready. I'm just adding some bios and pictures and stuff so I can kind of make that live and everybody can see. And I'm also working on figuring out the budget for the event, which is, you know, there's going to be a lot of hidden costs, things I, I don't think about that are going to pop up. Not having gone through this before, it's hard to know exactly what I have to account, f uh, account for. But I'll figure it out. It's a learning experience. I'm sure it'll all work out in the end. Yeah, and on that note, Patreon, if you like the podcast and you like all the projects I'm doing and you think this is great and you're like, yeah, man, Chris, keep going, I would totally appreciate if you guys went to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures and signed up to one of the several tiers I have there, you know, as a, a means of helping me out with this and to make things work and to keep going and, you know, all that. As well, merchandise can be found on my social media, so Instagram and Facebook at the moment. I'm redoing the website's merchandise or store page at the moment, so that's also going to come. But first focus is the Canadian Shield Bikepacking webpage, and then I'll get to work on the... Uh, shop for bike pack adventures that is it hope you guys uh you guys enjoy that and are out biking and making the most of this winter if you are in a wintry condition place and if you're not and you don't have to deal with it well i hope you're biking anyways now on to the intro in this episode of the bike pack adventures podcast i finally get a chance to chat with marie pierre savard marie pierre savard has been an adventure bike enthusiast for over 10 years it all started with her first extreme solo trip to Central Asia. And since then, 
Her way of thinking outside the box guides the choice of her small and big adventures. In August 2020, she was the first cyclist to ride Gatineau to Percé on the Quebec bikepacking traverse. She's also the instigator of Les Fines Garnot, a women's, trans, and non-binary gravel and adventure bike collective based in Montreal. In 2022, she rode the Hurricane 300 in Florida as training for the Log Drivers Waltz Grand Depart, where she set the new women's FKT. Even with her bikepacking experience in more than a dozen countries, mostly riding solo, Marie-Pierre sees herself as an adventurer more than an athlete, where achievement and experience is more important than performance. Marie-Pierre, welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures podcast. Hey, thank you. Thanks for the, invita- the invitation. My pleasure. <laughs> and um, so before we get rolling, or as we get rolling, why don't you tell us about yourself so people know who you are? Oh, well, okay. My name is Marie-Pierre, and uh, I'm a backpacker since probably more than 10 years now. Uh, but I love bikes since probably forever. I don't remember when exactly, but I was really young. Uh, I live in Montreal, Canada, and I also uh, found a, a group of uh, women and non-binary uh, people uh that we ride together. So uh, those day, those year, that's my uh, one of my main uh, passion, if I can say that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I also love to travel. So yeah. And did you growing up in Montreal? Were you? I, I know, like skiing is number one in Quebec. But growing up in Montreal, were you part of an adventurous family that did a lot of outdoor activities or? Well, I grew up in Mont-Laurier, in maybe oh, okay. two hour thirty north of Montreal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so hunting. Yes. <laughs> and no hunting. My fam- my direct family didn't hunt, but my grandfather, my uncle, mm-hmm. hunting and fishing. But uh, my family, my father and my mother. Uh, they did a lot of cross-country skiing. Okay. Uh, and when I was really young, I was always with them, with them, and always outside. And my father was also bike mechanical. Uh, so and he was a lot of he was a, also a mountain uh, biker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I grew up in this family, quite active, you know, but not athlete, you know, never like. Uh, really like uh, performance it was always for fun and just to be outside okay. and I think maybe that was was like I still have in in my mind you know it's more like just to do something more yeah. than to perform okay yeah and is the so for people that don't know the Petit Train du Nord is a rail trail that goes from Montreal to or from Laval. I think it extends to Montreal now, but anyways to to Mont Laurier. Um, is the Petit Train du Nord is it cross country skiing in the winter or I, I'm not even sure. Uh, some part yes, okay. but when I was young, it was not uh, it was not in service if I can say that. Mm. It's not that old if if i can say so when i was younger it was more in the village and around the the mountain around the lake uh, we had a little uh, cross country cross country skiing center in my town yeah uh, which is actually Fermeneuve and no oh you're from Fermeneuve. okay yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and after when i was a, a teenager i also worked there during the winter so uh, wow. i was at the uh, 
at the entrance and you know i was so you would know all the places on the uh the canadian shield bike packing route like when i go through like montagnes diable and stuff like you would know all that yeah 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 yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I, I love this uh this place it's a and really I, great trail system like yes and it's not known at all it's that's I've asked friends around Chelsea, and they're big into mountain biking. I'm like, have you heard of Montagnes Diable? And they're like, no, where is that? What is it? And, you know, I'm like, oh, it's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really uh, a, a good keep secret, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what brought you to Montreal? Was it just education and career and all that stuff? or? Uh, yeah, well, before to come to Montreal, mm-hmm. I went to Cégep uh, in Saint-Thérèse. Uh, mm-hmm. outside of uh, Montreal yep. and I travel quite a lot uh, I, st- I also study in Quebec City but th- the main reason why I came to Montreal uh, the first time it was mm, I think in 2005 or six, something like this that was for school actually to go to the okay. to, to go to a university yeah mm. and what did you study uh, I, I study um, communication, photography uh, as a bachelor. And after I went to, uh, in 2015, uh, I went to Concordia and uh, I study in the visual journalism. Uh, that was a oh. graduate program that was one year intense photography, videography. Uh, but the documentary side of it... So that was really interesting. Oh, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was uh, one of my biggest, like, patient for a couple of years. That was, My dream was to be, like, I want to be a photojournalist. Like National Geographic or of something? Of course, yeah, you know. That's the dream, right? <laughs> but, you know, finally, uh, that... I, I took another path, and yeah. that's okay like this. Well, we'll talk about that for sure. Yeah. And... um. When did you do your first bike tour? Like, A, what was your first bike? I, the first one I know of where I saw you have an Instagram post and it was like reflecting, missing the days in Central Asia. Um, mm. But there might have been a tour before that. I have no idea. So tell well, us. Unfortunately, no. Oh. <laughs> well, okay, yes. I went for like two, three days. Uh, at this time, I was in, it was in 2010. Uh, yeah uh, at this time I was living in Quebec City and um, I used to bike but just a little bit like this Mm -hmm. and um, I just had no preparation I had this idea in my mind you know oh let's go to bike tour and so I I bought a bike I was oh I need to practice I will go uh, in Rimouski three hour uh, 300 Mm -hmm. kilometer from Quebec and I will come back and let's see but I went to Central Asia without any concrete uh, experience. I, I had a lot of experience in traveling, yeah. uh, in remove area, in extreme condition, kind of, but never with a bicycle. So I was, okay, let's gamble, you know, let's go somewhere like I have absolutely no idea. So, so what did you, what kind of bike did you use for those early days? How did you pack? Um, I, I presume you took way too much. That's typically what happens. You can tell us more about that. 
Um, of course, and at this time I had the the idea to uh, to film a documentary, so I had uh, also yeah. tripod, computer, <laughs> yeah, a lot of stuff. I had uh, I found a kind of almost vintage uh, Rocky Mountain cardiac bicycle. It was not mountain bike. It was. Mm, would be Not the perfect adventure bike. bike now, right? Like nowadays, this would be your perfect bikepacking bike, probably. Yes, but I remember the tire; it was so tiny. Oh, you know, okay. I was, <gasps> that was not uh, maybe not great. After when you compare to today and yeah. the people, they go to the the, the, the Silk Road race with some other type of uh, bicycle. But yes, but prior to this uh, trip in Central Asia. I met a guy, I was working in Alberta for the summer, maybe one summer before or two summer before. Okay. I was working there uh, for the summer and I met this Quebecer. He was traveling by bicycle from Vancouver to Montreal and I hosted him. Uh, I, wa- I, I was like warm shower or couch mm-hmm. surfing, something yeah. like this. And when I met this guy, his name is uh, Lino Tremblay. I just realized that I can come, like I can travel by bicycle. Mm, it was and like the eye opener, yeah. Yeah, before that, I'd never realized that. Okay, it's real. Someone is mm. doing it right now. So this guy completely changed my uh, my vision of the of traveling because I was I I enjoyed travel a lot a lot before that, but now you know I was. Traveling by bicycle, it's just the best of everything. You, know? mm-hmm. you you travel more slowly, you meet more people, the people, they are less afraid about you, uh, it's less expensive, and mm-hmm. you keep your, your shape. So for me, that was all just the best. So, yeah. <laughs> and so when you went to Central Asia, you went solo or you went with somebody? Yes, I went by myself, you know, because uh, at one point I was supposed to go with uh, one, uh, my boyfriend, but at one point it was not working anymore. So I was, hmm, okay, that was at first my my dream. So let's continue this dream, you know. I think mm-hmm. I, I can go by myself and I made some research and I read quite a lot. I tried to learn Russian language because uh, their English is Russian. So I was, okay, at least, like, to be able to read their alphabet, the Cyrillic (laughs) alphabet. And you learned it? You learned the alphabet? Yes. Let me write some words for you and see how you are. (laughs) Well, not anymore. (laughs) I'm just joking. But uh, even if you can read something... Doesn't mean you understand it, yeah. Yes, so at the end, it was not uh, super great for me, but, you know, I tried uh, to, to, to learn some word and, you know, just the basic salutation, mm-hmm. thank you. and But that was not, uh, this part of the this trip was not easy. The, the language uh, problem, that was quite hard, yeah. Yeah, I lived in Russia for three years, so I really oh, want to okay, go cycle... <laughs> I really want to go cycle touring in, you know, um, Russia or any of the Central Asian countries. Um, yeah, I think it would be because of I, I know the language for the most part. I can communicate quite well. Uh, it would be much, much 
more immersive, you know, the ability to communicate with people and of course. Yeah, wow, that's great. Did you did you travel by bike uh, over there? No, in those days I just drank. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was uh, living in St. Petersburg. Um so what was it like to tour through Central Asia without, you know, with very very limited Russian abilities, um communicating with English and French body language? Um how did you get on? Well, and the other point is that I didn't have any biking experience mm. also. So for me, that was a lot of new experience, you know. Um, the, I remember the first day when I arrived there. Uh, first of all, I, I flew to uh, Bishkek in uh, Kyrgyzstan. And I was supposed, I arranged a transportation with the, the, the guy of the hostel and it was in the middle of the night and when I arrived there the guy didn't come and I was at the airport completely like uh like lost, I don't know what yeah. I lost but I finally managed something they bring me to the hostel and I arrived there okay that was a safe place and I, the, the morning after I was Okay, let's go outside and just to buy some bread and stuff, you know. Yeah. And I went outside and now I really understand that okay, like that's not just the airport, you know, that's the real life and I cannot like do anything. <laughs> yeah. So I stayed 3 days at the hostel because I was not feeling ready or confident to leave by yeah. bicycle. I was so afraid kind of so it took me three days but finally uh, i decided to go and that was not easy honestly. yeah i think it, it feels uh, like probably you're at after three days you're at a point you're like do i fly home or do i get going and you know like do i quit or do i start you know like it's really hard choice yeah and at this time you didn't have the like the google map yeah. and gps and everything you know that it's now it's so easy you just follow the road you check your cell phone to see uh, to have more information to yeah. speak with people also so this is great you know for this type of trip but at this time uh, that was really limited but yeah i was it was not super easy um even with people you know with men the fact that i was alone mm -hmm. Um, I had some difficulty to be honest. <laughs> it's a, it's a hard part of the world, I think, to to go, you know, and not to say you were naive, but probably were. I mean, to have no experience in that kind of environment, it's a lot. It's a lot to absorb, and also, like you said, be new on the bike at the same time. Um, were there many? Emotional breakdowns where, you know... Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Many, many, many. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, another uh, example that I was... I didn't know anything. The, f the first day that I decided to go, uh, I had this uh, bike computer, you know, just to mm -hmm. calculate the, the distance. Like really a cat eye or something, eye. yeah. Yes. So I put this before, and I didn't really check that. And first day I was biking and it's like five kilometers per hour. Ah, 
I feel that I'm going faster, you know, <laughs> five per hour, seven. I'm heavy, but you know, it's not that bad. And after a day, like I was like no more energy and it was like maybe 70 kilometer total at the end of the day. And I was, it's impossible, man. I rode like 15 hour or something like this. <laughs> And I realized at the end of the first day that I was not at 70 kilometer because I met a guy and we start speaking and he was, oh, like 150 kilometer from Bishkek, Nana. And I was, okay, what's going on? <laughs> and finally, this day I learned that, oh, you need to adjust your cyclocomputer with your real size. And I was, okay, I didn't know that. And I felt like... And all the day I was really depressed. You know, I was, I won't be able to go. Uh, and you're probably pushing harder. Kilometer per hour. I will, I do, you know, <laughs> but finally that was okay. Day two, uh, I was back to normal, uh, normal speed. So that, that was good. Wild. What did you, uh, what did you learn with regards to packing on that first tour? And I mean, by first tour, you really jumped into the fire and went like, so international. But what did you learn? Um, you know, what did you do right? What did you do wrong? Maybe is the better question. About the, like, the luggage? The, yeah, luggage, gear. Yeah. Uh, of course, I took like way too many stuff. Uh, a lot of clothes, you know, that finally at the end of the day, you just always use the same one or two, mm -hmm. you know. But on the other end, when you don't know, it's I get I think it's normal that you pack a lot of yeah. uh, a lot of thing. And regarding the gear, I was quite lucky because I didn't have any big problem. Um, Except, uh, well, I didn't have any big problem because I chose to go for uh, kind of quality mm. uh, and like durability of like the frame and the part. And, you know, I had, I think, Schwalbe Marathon uh, Plus tire, okay. you know, really basic stuff, but, you know, built to, to, to last. So I was really lucky uh, for that. But you know, uh, it, because it's so it's a long time ago, so I'm trying to remember. Uh, also, probably the first week of the this trip, uh, one day I ride with a little like tank top with really small uh, straps. straps, you know, and it's super hot, and you know I'm putting some sunscreen, but. At the end of the day, I realized that I was like a, a port, like that I was able to reach oh, with yeah. my hand. I was burned, but with like a third, uh, you know, when it's uh, the water. Uh, oh, the a, like a blister, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really bad. Mm. So I was, why, at what did I think to, you know, you need to wear something to cover your uh your shoulder when you bike, when yeah. you ride your bicycle um, directly under the sun in the desert or something like this, you know? Yeah. And it's so, like, if you don't, like, 
live it, you know, you won't, uh, you won't know, but. <laughs> how, how far was the tour? What was your route? You started in Bishkek and where did you go and how long were you out there for? Uh, three months and a half. Oh, wild. So yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, uh, I was supposed to, well, also at this time, well, more than 10 years ago, it was more complicated than right now to travel in these places. Mm-hmm. I think now for the visa, it's, I'm not sure if it's required, but it's it's different. Yeah. And in Uzbekistan, uh, well, to, uh, I went to K- uh, Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, and Uzbekistan. Okay. And we need uh, I need a visa for all these places. And in Uzbekistan, it it was really controlled. Each night you need to show your passport. They need to stamp. You need to go to the hotel each night. Yeah. If not, it's quite serious over there. But um, I forgot the question, actually. Oh, I was just asking how, how long a distance and how three and a half months and how far was it? Yeah, so at the beginning, I was supposed to go for one month in each country. But uh, after a couple of weeks in uh, Kyrgyzstan, I was, okay, this place, it's quite uh, nice. And there's more, probably more tourists than the other places. It's easy to travel around so mm-hmm. and i met some people uh, also so i decided to extend to uh, one month and a half just to go um explore more but yeah. the, the the first part was to do the the around the lake the the big lake uh, easy call easy call lake mm-hmm. uh so after i went back in the capital and the plan was to go to uh, Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan, following the road uh, on the map, you know, uh, really basic uh, mm-hmm. planification. And what did you find um, in terms of like in the three countries? What what did you like about the various places that might have been the different differences? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, in uh, Kyrgyzstan, it was mountain, mountain, mountain. Ah. It's amazing. Uh, it's really like tra- the, the traditional, like uh, nomad, nomad people in their yurt in the mountain. It's amazing. It's quite difficult, quite uh, damaged the road, um, but it's surreal. You know, there's there's so many different types of places. It's really really beautiful mm. so maybe it's more easier it's easier to go there but uh, to bike there's more possibility than okay uh, uzbekistan and kazakhstan um and it's more common it's more popular now with the silk road mountain race mm-hmm. so uh, yeah and i feel like in uzbekistan it's really it's that one green corridor and the rest is kind of desert right of course, there's uh, honestly for me, I just follow this corridor, you know, the 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 historical trail, you know, yeah. the historical ro- road. I didn't explore that much around because just this was quite a big ad- adventure, you know. Mm. And also in Kazakhstan, uh, in Kazakhstan, actually, uh, for me over there, that was really, really difficult. I had some bad experience with people that I met on by that I met uh, during the trip but also 
I met uh, a big community of people that they were learning French oh, to wow. come to immigrate to Quebec. So they were in love with French people, but you won't believe it. You know, they, they, they read La Presse and they listen like French Quebec radio. And oh, wow. they are all in process to immigrate. And they, uh, so when I met th this group of like 10, 15 people, that's quite a lot, actually. They welcomed me. They print some big uh, Quebec flag. They did some T-shirt with like, well, Bienvenue Marie-Pierre du Québec. Oh, wow. They were like amazing. And I was at this point, I was really down in my uh, my trip and I was kind of depressed because it was really difficult and mm. you know Kazakhstan it's really like there's nothing it's people are really cold and without the language mm -hmm. difficulty <clears throat> meeting these people and I can speak French with them that was a bless yeah that's amazing so and and yeah, at the perfect time the too right her. yeah when you're exactly. at your lowest yeah um, did you ever hear from any of them? Did any of them ever come of to Canada? Course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of them are now in Montreal. Oh, actually. amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I keep, I keep contact uh, with, uh, with some of them. Yeah. Awesome. And that was 2010. So what happened after? Like, how did your, how did your adventures change? You know, you came back, you went back to, uh, Quebec city and what, what happened? Yeah. Next? After that, um, after that, it changed that I completely, my focus completely went to the bicycle, you know. Uh, For me, it was like to travel only with my, my backpack. That was, I, it didn't really happen after that. It was like, okay, by this, this way to travel really changed my life, you right. know. I don't want to like travel uh, in another way after that because that's really nice even if it was really difficult you know i'm not uh for me it's important to to say that it was really really difficult but this difficulty now i'm be i'm a, a better adventurer uh, because yeah. of that I yeah say. you learned so much in that first yeah. adventure right? yeah, yeah yeah exactly so uh after that i i, I continue to travel um for maybe one month per year something like this i always tried to continue after i went to cuba but after that it was i was more looking for the adventure side and at mm. this time i didn't know about bikepacking or even gravel bike you know yeah it didn't That's really not, uh, it was such a small niche that i think even i didn't really learn about it until just a few years ago, you know? Yeah, that's yeah. not really uh, old, yeah. actually. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but when I realized that after, when the the, the choose that I, I made with my destination and everything, it was always to go off the beaten track and, you know, yeah. Yeah, you might have used panniers, but it was on a, in a more adventurous type way than just a paved road, you know, same with me. Uh, a lot of my tours, I felt like, oh, I was always going kind of light, kind of long days, um, 
never really I felt like a, I was bike touring, you know, to the same degree. Mm-hmm. Um, although all the terms, there's a lot of overlap and distinction. Like the distinction's quite small, I think. So um, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because I saw you cycled to like from New York City to was it New York City to Florida or Miami, right? Yes, exactly. That uh, was, I think, in 2015, just before to start my study at okay. Concordia. Uh, at this time, I was tour guide. Uh, like That was my job. Oh. I was tour guiding in New York a lot, in uh, Western uh, California, USA, and Florida. So at this time, I was working in New York, and I was, oh, what can I do, you know? From here, I have a couple of weeks before to start school. Let's go to Miami. And, you know, that's really easy preparation, you know. it's You just followed. I was, okay, I will follow the, the coast, the most. Let's see uh, how it goes. And that's it. You just with your car and your, I followed the coast. That was so easy. And that was amazing because sometimes it's nice to have, like, easy trip and you yeah. know that's yeah i and today uh, when i was prepare uh, preparing this interview uh, talk i was looking in at my picture you know and i was oh my god it's a lot of uh, memories and finally all the trip were great you know so mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. or almost but it's always really positive uh, i'm i'm able to see the positive experience of each each trip and yeah this one new york to miami that was just simple and easy and no rain for uh five weeks so oh, yeah and it was of course on paved road yes. yeah i've had a few people say to me that after the podcast and stuff they're like it was a really nice walk down memory lane because you don't often just sit down and think about your your adventures and the things you do and then all of a sudden you have a chance to talk about it and you're like wow i forgot you know like yeah, that's a good a good time to uh, yeah to have good uh, memories. So, what was your first? Um, what would you say was your first dip into gravel biking or bikepacking, and when did that come about? Hmm. Uh, wow, that's a good question. But I think. I can associate this with the uh, a bike, you know, uh, a bike that I bought. I bought a, Is this... a Kona Road oh. bike. Mm-hmm. That was after my uh, my trip to Florida, actually. And I think when I I bought this bike, I bought it because it was like, oh, you can do everything with this bicycle, and it was oh, okay. And at this time, I start to, I was feeling more confident, you know, to explore. I was feeling good on this bike and, you know, I was okay, so let's go. But even at this time, it was not, gravel bike was not really a sport or something yet. Um, But I don't know, maybe the the branding of a Kona bike or it's really uh i don't know i always really like this uh, but of uh, by the way i i like panorama bike of course i'm a proud ambassador but when i'm 
remembering my my old days and my old love. <clears throat> yeah. Kona, yeah. So I think with this bike, I was like exploring and feeling good on this bike. Like just to go on the Mont Royal, you know, in the little trails for me, that was kind of new, but mm -hmm. I start to do this with this bike. I feel like that a little bit with my Opus because it's a, I think they class it as an adventure bike and it, it's, it's been great. You know, like I've, mm -hmm. I've done a lot of road. I could hit other stuff, gravel. I've even ridden the, you know, the BT 700 and the log driver's waltz with it. It was pretty rough, but uh, you know, it's capable. Um, so I always have this, like, I'll have this fond spot in my heart for this first adventure bike, as opposed to a, a road bike, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, uh, after the, the first trip that I did with, uh, the first long trip that I did with this bike, uh, I was, I went for, uh, Four months in uh, Hawaii, Big Island. Ooh, um, nice. I went there and I was okay. Let's do something different. So I called it uh, in French "cyclo bénévola." Donc, so it was like cycle touring and volunteer work yep. in the same time. <laughs> that was my uh, my trip. So that's why I was able to stay there for uh, almost four months because I was volunteer in different places and I was exploring with my bike on the afternoon oh, cool. and on the weekend. And that was with, and, was that with like woofing and stuff or? Just, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. So I went in three different places all around the Island. So at the end I went in all the, the area and I explore a lot. And over there it's, if you go out of the main road, it's all, dirt road but also volcano kind of mm. road uh, sand road so it's really really different types of uh, trails and everything so I think over there it really opened my mind like oh my god it's amazing all the trail all the possibility and all the the amazing landscape and things that mm. you will see outside of the the main road so that was really, I think, the, 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 the best trip for to discover gravel bike and more adventure bike. Okay. And I know that they have um, some pretty big volcanoes you can cycle up, like some of the so – I don't remember the names of the climbs, but they have some pretty big ones. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what yeah, were yeah. those like? Uh, I climbed one. <laughs> uh, that, was, uh, that was not easy. You know, it's really, really bad road. Uh, at one point at the at the top and uh, it's really uh, a big hill you know so uh, but it's it's amazing and you know it's a great culture also over there so mm, cool and yeah. so that was kind of your first real like foray into more you said like off-roading and taking really lesser tracks right Yes, but I have to tell you that most of the time I was without any luggage, you know. Ah, so nice. <laughs> it was easier to to start exploring this type of mm -hmm. places, you know. I, I with my luggage I was mo mostly on paved road. So still it was like like uh, bike touring with the luggage but without, you know. Yeah. That was a uh, that was a good initiation to the 
the adventure part. Yeah. Well, in 2011, it. I moved to Malaysia, and I would say that's when I started becoming more of a... I mean, I lived abroad for quite a while before that, like in Russia, but then Malaysia is where I first got really back into biking, and, you know, my days were... When I wasn't working, I was biking, and, you know, it was amazing. Yes, in this type of <clears throat> places, you know, for us, like, Canadian people, you know, it's just amazing and like the color the weather mm-hmm. the landscape the food oh everything is really like perfect you know and you can you can ride your bike 12 months per year like it's great and you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i missed i miss malaysia i see i have follow <laughs> some people on instagram where they post pictures and this one girl was posting something recently in the Cameron Highlands, and I was like, oh, man, I miss cycling in Malaysia. Just beautiful. And the food, you know. Oh, anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, so you had the you had the Kona, and then I saw you also had a salsa at some point, right? I think that came Yes, up. yes. But the Kona had really a short life, you know. Oh. I have to, uh, yeah, I have to be honest. Really died at really young age <laughs> uh, he died that's the word you know because there and he really suffered in uh, his uh, life so uh the day that i came back from hawaii after my amazing trip uh, I, I i put the bike like i did many 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 times before in a card box for mm-hmm. you know to for the plane and uh, with like big spaghetti noodle, and, yeah. And when I arrived in Montreal, the bicycle was um, how can I say cut into. No. Yes, yeah? and I'm I'm serious. You know, you can find some picture on my Instagram. <laughs> that was a work of art. It's like the. The, the the plane probably well that's my my story you know the plane yeah. um like uh, I, I don't know the plane l'avion uh, decollé and the bicycle was still on the tarmac and like oh no i don't know it's uh, it's like it was like it uh, fell out. It feels like it fell out of something high, though, because I mean, oh you're, yeah, you're... not only fell, but was uh, I don't know how to say this in English. Run like, over. Yeah, uh, not run over, but oh. like peel, like on the asphalt for oh, many many kilometer, okay. yeah, yeah. really fast, you know. Dragged, dragged, dragged. Yeah, yeah. at yeah. really really high speed oh, and. No. Uh, but that was like the the bike was <clears throat> completely completely uh not usable anymore yeah. the the wheel uh the frame everything was like cut kind of that's insane and i was oh my god like i took picture and i you know when you travel with your bike you arrive at the airport you take your little um the dolly or yeah the cart or whatever the cart yeah, yeah. and you go and you wait for the, your bicycle bucks and after you go to the the border uh, patrol and okay you have a bike and and me I was like in a movie you know with my cart my bucks open destroy 
I was crying oh, and no. I was at the, the border. Uh, customs, the, the, the customs. Yeah. The custom crying and the guy was, the, 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 the guy was, oh my God, I never saw this <laughs> in my entire life. Holy shit. And yeah, that was really a big, uh, something really big. So I was, okay, I will uh, take some pictures, send it to a United Airlines. And I was, that's so bad, you know, I need to put this on the, like, social media. Something will happen, you know. It's, yeah, the more you sound you make, the more noise you make, then the quicker they are to respond, right? So I put this on Facebook, I tagged them, and believe me or not, they wrote me within an hour. Before continuing on with the show, I'd like to thank Panorama Cycles for sponsoring this podcast. Panorama Cycles is a bicycle manufacturer in Quebec, Canada, dedicated to backcountry cyclists that prefer gravel, snow, and off-road trails. They believe cycling is a catalyst for adventures of all sizes, and that there's no need to travel across the world or to be a seasoned athlete to live epic outdoor adventures. Over the past year, I've been riding the Chick Shocks Fat Bike, the Catadan Gravel Bike, and the Taiga Mountain Bike. From everyday rides, bikepacking trips, and a multitude of races and events, these bikes have put a huge smile on my face every step of the way while also getting me on the podium on the Wendigo Ultra Fat Bike Race and helped me set an FKT on the Canadian Shield 400. In partnering up with the Bike Pack Adventures podcast, Panorama Cycles also wants to give back to the cycling community, particularly you, the listeners of the podcast. By using the promo code BPA10 when purchasing a new bike from PanoramaCycles.com, you'll save 10%. For more information on their environmental commitments or to check out their bikes, head to PanoramaCycles.com. Now back to the show. directly to arrange something like okay how much do you want and everything but uh, yeah that was really 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 uh, something uh, wow. quite interesting but th the good thing at the end it's really positive because yeah the Kona died really uh, young but with this I was able to buy a salsa bicycle and with this bike, now I understood more the the gravel world, bikepacking mm -hmm. world. It was more in this vibe. So, yeah, that was another uh, another episode, another bicycle. And yeah, that's amazing. I know when yeah. I saw, I was looking through your Instagram, um, and I saw when you got the salsa. And there was one more tour I think you did with saddlebags. And then after that, every picture is just more of a seat post bag, frame bag. It becomes very, very much a bike packing bag or bike. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Because this bike, I had the, the opportunity to do this and everything was built for this also. But at the beginning, I didn't know, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. not something that you can find like really fast, you know, the transition between a uh, bike pannier and bike packing with like the the bike packing bag it's not easy you know and for me it was a lot of okay i i i try this oh it's not working uh, try something else but i was happy that i was able to arrive at something that i was mm -hmm. feeling really good and confident and like that I don't miss something, you know, because I don't have enough space. Yeah. That's also this. I feel that I have always enough space. And what kind of um, film and video equipment do you carry now? I, I presume it's more of just a, the cell phone or do you have still a point and shoot camera? 
Oh, yeah. Uh, since the, the trip in uh, Central Asia with the tripod and the computer, I was no way. I'm not doing this uh, anymore. Uh, like, let's travel light after that. The computer was a little bit too much. Yeah, and I think unless you're doing a long expedition, it's, it's a stress you don't need because, you know, you're always worried. What if I can't put my bag down? Somebody could steal it, this and that, you know? So it's, it's enough of to course. worry about the bike. And uh, Yes, and... The- yeah, for this type of trip, uh, of trip for me, it's not necessary. But now, uh, mostly uh, I have a little camera, a Canon point and shot. Uh, but like this summer when I rode the lug driver wall, I just have my cell phone because mm-hmm. that was uh, really the strict minimum and no time for picture. And I was really focused on something else. So it's different. Yeah, Sometimes let's... only my cell phone and... Let's talk about uh, the log drivers waltz. Well, now you're sponsored at this by this point. You're sponsored by Panorama or ambassador of Panorama, yeah, and I, you have a sweet ass Taiga EXP. And just to finish the story, oh, I ahead. just sold my salsa last uh, last week. It stayed in my uh, room for almost two years. Yeah. I didn't use it, but I was so like emotionally uh, attached. But last I year, saw your last post year. and I showed it to my wife and I almost messaged you and she's like, but it looks a little bit beat up. I said, that's because it's been used well. And <laughs> But she's like, uh, so we, she decided she wants something else next year, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, so now, yes, 100 portion panorama. And uh, yeah, for the, the long driver waltz, I had the, the Taiga and oh my God, that's a bike. Yeah, that's amazing you know did you use the tiger or tiger exp uh exp yes, EXP, yeah. Drop EXP, bar. yeah yeah the drop bar yeah for anybody wondering the difference the tiger is the mountain bike with suspension on the front and then the exp is a drop bar mountain bike with rigid front forks in case people are wondering really comfortable <laughs> yeah yes so uh for me that was the perfect choice uh for this ride at the beginning, I was not sure because I like to ride the Catadine also, the, 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 the gravel or carbon. But mm, I think that uh, I'm really happy with my choice because there's quite a lot of more uh, dip, like uh, damage road. And I, just for 200, 300 kilometer, I, I'm more comfortable on my taiga okay. that's that's also something <laughs> something else but it's quite important for me mm-hmm. and what size tires if you don't mind me asking do you use on your bike uh it was 2.25 okay yeah that's yeah. what i use on mine as well yeah, yeah mine's uh, not a panorama course. oh but uh, that's uh, that was a perfect size for this type of a uh, trail Mm-hmm. And there's also a, maybe 75 kilometer of mountain bike trail on the Parc de la Gatineau also. So that's, and at, it's at the end it's, of the trip. So at this time you are yeah, tired. Yeah, because no all you dirty. have to do is, yeah, the only part left to do is ride through Ottawa and down the long rail trail to Carlton Place and a little bit of trails back to Elmont. But it's, uh, you know, I don't know what five to seven hours maybe left at that point and yeah, the Gatineau but... Park will beat you up. <laughs> <clears throat> For me, that was the most difficult part. This, this, I, I took four days to uh, ride the, the, 
the 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 the, the, the voyons, là, the, the gravel walk. Yeah. And that was at the last day, the Parc La Gatineau, and it was so difficult. This section of the all the trip, all the race, that was the most difficult for me, and it's I was. Tough. It's a never-ending loop. I'm in the same place. I'm just going around. I I knew that no, I'm on the I'm on the trail and everything's fine, okay. But I was just like in something yeah. tired, no energy. I didn't expect mountain bike trails. I didn't research enough. Oh. So my mistake, but uh, that was not, I was not feeling good at this point. I I ride these trails all the time because I live, I live like 500 meters from the trails in Gatineau Park. That's amazing. What an amazing area just outside of town, you know, that's. And uh, my bike is also rigid front. Like it's very similar to the EXP, except I have flat handlebars and um, yeah, I mean, completely doable, but it just, you know, with the, with. When you're tired, it's really tough. Um, when I did the log driver's waltz, knowing that I live in Chelsea, I was like, I don't want to go. Well, A, I didn't really want to start from Almont because I live on the route, basically. Of course. Yeah. So, But I also didn't want to finish the route with all of the Gatineau Park at the end of 800 kilometers, you know, because I would be finishing at home. So mm. I started the route in um, Kazubazua. And that way oh. I would I would go through Gatineau Park within the first, you know, in the, the first morning because I started at night. And um, so I didn't start with the Grand Depart when I did it. Um, just because I knew, like, I don't want to ride Gatineau Park when I'm super tired and at the end. And I didn't want to drive all the way to Almont. So I was like, eh. <laughs> yeah, when you know that, when you know the trail and when you know the, yeah, it's, it's <clears throat> different. You can plan, like, you can plan ahead and it's yeah. easier to, I don't know, to visualize and everything. And I should say congratulations because you do have the women's oh. FKT on the yeah, log drivers as well. Thank you, but uh, I'm really humble with that. I know that it won't uh, stay long. Mine didn't. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know many friends that uh, will come with me next year to... Uh, for the Grand Depart uh, yeah, starting, nice. so I'm really excited about this. We will be uh, more people, and uh, so it will be more fun. Ah, fantastic. And uh, yeah. so tell us a little bit about it. Like, you started in Almont. What was your experience like? I know that you guys had some pretty hard weather this year. Um, so take us through yes. your, your adventure and what it was like oh, for my, you. Yes, <laughs> that was my first time, you know, this – well, no, actually, I – I registered for another race uh, two years ago. It was 500, 500 kilometers to do in two days, but it was on paved road only. Uh, so I was really new to this type of, you know, grand départ and adventure, you know. And for me, it was still difficult to say, okay, how many days will I yeah. And I was, oh, probably five, you know, let's, let's say five to be sure, you know, so I won't be disappointed, disappointed, but I hope it will be less than five, but we never know. So the first day, uh, it was super hot weather, really, probably one, one of the hottest day of the summer. Yeah, it was crazy. I was watching the track leaders. (laughs) 
And uh, as I'm super extremely like prepare, not, it's a joke. First, uh, first point, like the first day we had, uh, like there's a village at maybe 70, uh, the first stop can be at 70 kilometer, you know, for water and like corner store. And I was not concentrate so i i continue i forgot to stop we had to to was that in charbot lake uh no before charbot lake yeah Yeah. charbot lake that was the grocery and finally well everything's my point is that i forgot to stop to buy water and it was Uh, like super hot and that that's that was not super smart you know so i had to ride like 50 more kilo 50 kilometer without no not 50 but like 40 kilometer without water uh, but i i i was oh no i i won't i won't go back because it's like seven kilometers or 14 kilometer just to go back to the corner store because i realized seven kilometer after that i i was uh i i forgot to to stop so mm. So I arrived at Shabbat Lake and I was feeling really, really, really bad. You know, I needed water. So I was, I took probably an hour of break, you know, over there. But it was like kilometer 120, you know. But important because what was coming up after Shabbat Lake is a tough, tough time. Yes. And the people, they were, oh my God, Marquiar, are you okay? Are you sure you will be able to continue? And. People around me, uh, mostly the girl, they start to disappear. They start to, oh, the uh, things happen really fast for them. And I was a little bit looking after other women because, like, I don't know, naturally, mm-hmm. I'm kind of come, come, come. I'm. It's not a competition, but mm-hmm. you know, you you're with other people <clears throat> and you kind of race with them without not racing, but it's. So, and, okay, one had to stop because she had a pain. Other one, uh, her boyfriend had a technical problem. So I lost a lot of people. But even for me, I was like, what, I, what I'm doing, you know, me, me neither. I'm not feeling good. And, yeah. But I took an hour of, like, rest. And after, I was feeling really, really better. And I continue and... I was okay. Let's try to uh, to do like two hundred kilometer per day. And first day I arrived, two hundred kilometer, went to bed. So where did you stop your first day? Where did you? Uh... I stopped. The, the The great thing about this is that you, there's a lot of point of interest. Uh, mm. If you uh, check the, the the map that yeah. they provide, it's so complete. A lot of information. It's so easy to plan. In advance, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we cannot plan everything, of course. That's the joy of a bicycle. But you can have an idea. Oh, there's a shelter over there. Oh, uh, there's some running water over there. Mm-hmm. So I was able to plan. And other people in front of me told me, oh, we will stop at this place. Eric, actually, the, the guy that created this. Mm-hmm. So he told me we will stop at this uh, little park tonight we will be there so if you arrive there uh, you can come and join us there's electricity and there's a shelter 
Ah, okay. So, and finally, each night I was able to go under a, sh- a shelf, so without uh, any problems. So for next year, you know, I don't need to plan for a tent, for example. Yeah. But, uh, and the day after, it was rain, 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 shine, rain, rain. <laughs> so that was never, like, easy. Yeah. Because it was raining, but it was also the mud, you know, uh, the, the road conditions. It's not easy when it's raining. It's mostly gravel, so... Uh, yeah, that, uh, that was something, but... Uh, day number two, I rode 170 kilometer. I was like, I'm not able to go further. And yeah. honestly, it's really, when I'm thinking about this right now, I, why? You should uh, continue. Man. It's not enough. <laughs> but it's important when you are doing something that you just listen to your body and your mm-hmm. feeling. And I don't have that much this competition uh, vibe and like, Yes, at the end, if I know that I have so much, I have a chance to win, to win, maybe. But like, it's not. I'm not a competitive person, and mm. uh, just to do it for me, that's the for me. The competition is more like, okay, I said I will do this. I need to do I this. I have to finish. Yeah, I have to finish more than the results. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And what was um what was your favorite part of the route? I think I cannot say that I have a favorite okay. part because I think it's everything together. It's, it, it was so different. Yeah. Uh, really, it's never the same. You know, it's not like you're not going on a. I don't know. Let's change now for two hundred kilometer. Mm-hmm. It's more. It, there's always the a little. Uh, something different, mountain bike trail, large gravel uh, road. Um, so I really enjoy everything, yeah. actually. Awesome. Yeah. And, um, yeah, are you going to try to beat your time next year? Yes, yes, but <clears throat> uh, just one minute better will be enough yeah. for me. You know? <laughs> Good. Uh, I don't I, – I just want – I'll go next year, of course, but I just – I know that I, uh, to be honest, I, it's of course I, uh, I don't pretend that I will uh, like have the fastest known time, mm-hmm. but I just want to do better, and it's it will be easier because I know, for me, I can now I I I, I wrote it, yeah. So I have an advantage. There's because an advantage. I, can... I think there's both advantages and disadvantages to knowing what's coming up because advantage yeah. because you know how much longer you have to suffer for at times to get through something. But disadvantage because yeah. when you're coming up to it, you're like, oh, shit, like, oh, I still have to go through this. And like your mind can start to play games with you if you're tired. Um, a lot of like negative talk because you know what's coming. So but I think overall, probably there's more plus than negative. So, but it's more an advantage regarding <clears throat> myself, actually. It's, and I will be more able to plan. Oh, I know where can I sleep yeah. also, and all those little little where details. the stores are that you need to stop at. And, yes. Yeah. So, um, but at the end, it's still difficult. You know, I I feel that this 
Well, I did it like in four days and for me it's really I like this kind of balance uh, like four days of 200 kilometer mm-hmm. more or less you know it's easy like this but at the end if I follow this this plan I will have to finish the last day with the Parc La Gatineau which I would like to to uh, finish like to ride the park like it's no maybe before the last day but start in wakefield <laughs> yes let's see let's let's see <laughs> next year yeah um yeah that's amazing um i know you also rode uh, a big ch- section of the trans quebec um what does he call it uh, i forget the name is it trans quebec bikepacking route or uh, the yeah, whoa, me, me too. I forgot I forget what he the calls Quebec bikepacking traverse. Oh, the bikepacking traverse. That's it. The Quebec yeah. bikepacking traverse. You rode a, a really big chunk of it because I think you maybe 2,000 something kilometers, right? Yeah, 2,500 uh, 2, kilometers. Okay. Actually, I was the first one to ride it uh, almost uh, at 100%. The, this trail start in actually in uh, Abitibi somewhere, right? Abitibi, yeah. yes. And I didn't start there. I start in Ottawa in the Parc Lagatineau, actually. Mm. But I was the <laughs> I was the first one who say, okay. Uh, I met Etienne, the founder of this uh, mm-hmm. this trail, and I was okay. This trail it's not completely uh, confirmed yet. You just did it in front of your computer, but some part need to be verified and I will let's uh, I'll do this so that's why I decide to go there and it's also for me another if I say okay I will go to ride this trail and I will confirm the 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 road and I'll be your eyes on the the terrain you know so yeah I I did it and for me it's easier to okay like I'm engaged to something. I will do it, and I I try to do it. Nice. Tell us about it. How was it? <clears throat> that was uh, difficult for other type of reason. That was really far in mm. the forest, really remove, and I was not uh, prepared that much for that. Okay. But everything was fine. Everything uh, was super uh, super good. Mm. I had. Absolutely no bad experience, no problem. Mm-hmm. But that was uh, by any chance I had no problem. I'm really happy because okay. I've I heard that not- I've heard that from some people that some sections uh, they felt were just way too hard and beyond what should be on a a route like that. So for safety or whatever, you know. And I think I even okay. saw you had a post about that saying there's some sections that were really tough. Yes, 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 some section, because it's something to design a road and it's something to go and validate this road. It's not always possible. And a lot of, not many places were not uh, rideable, but when you're there, you know, it's not easy to, to take a decision when you are, in something really difficult or impossible, mm-hmm. you know, you see uh, a place that you cannot go further. There's 
uh, really, really big uh, uh, dam, you know, you cannot go through, you have to find a solution, but mm -hmm. there's not necessary 10 road around, you know, sometimes you need to go back and like, yeah. especially like, days. especially wherever there's trails like that, beavers seem to build dams that will just destroy and hide the trail. Uh, I don't know why beavers, Canada's animal of just to torture cyclists, I think. But uh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I also another trip that I I've learned a lot, and I've learned a lot about safety, mm -hmm. how to uh, to make sure that you're always uh, you always know where you are, having the right. Uh, application backup gps and everything make a uh, double research make sure that everything uh like is possible validate the, the 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 place where you can buy food and mm -hmm. there's a lot of uh, preparation and you cannot just go like this and uh, do your best because you need to be prepared for a couple of days in the wood yeah, in the worst case scenario, you have to have at least enough supplies to, to survive. Yes, and my days. biggest mistake in this trip is that I didn't bring uh, any spot or uh, oh, in okay. reach. So I'm really not proud of this. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you because it's important, I won't do this mistake again. Yeah, When you go for many, many weeks, uh, in remove area, it's so important to have a way to communicate with uh, your family or uh, authority, police, mm -hmm. without any uh, cell phone reception. So now it's one of my priority, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I got yeah. one last year as well. And even though it's, you know, even month by month, it's quite expensive, uh, especially when you don't feel like you're doing enough adventures to rationalize the price. Mm. But I think it's still important, you know. Probably yeah. for like the log driver's waltz, the butter tart 700 don't necessarily need them because you're never too far from cell phone towers, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, my route, the Canadian Shield, definitely you get far away from it sometimes. But also, did I have it when I went and rode? I don't think I had it with me either, but I, I should have, you know, just in case. Um, and then for like the Quebec bikepacking traverse, definitely, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In uh, Cotonard, in Gaspésie, mm -hmm. it's really uh, some place are really uh, far. What bike did you yeah. use for this uh, this trip? I had my Salsa Vaya bike. Oh, you had the Salsa, huh? Yeah, that's why he's kind of destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> do you think you should have? Do you think? <laughs> did you have the uh, Taiga EXP at the time, or? No, 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 no. Oh, no. no, I didn't have this. That would have changed everything because you could just put oh. on some big, beefy tires. But still, I was so lucky with this salsa mm -hmm. bike. You know, I pushed it to uh, the to, to the extreme, and yeah. it was maybe not a bike for this type of extreme adventure, but he was uh, still uh, in a good condition, finally, at the oh, that's end. Amazing. So, yeah. Um, what else? Uh, why don't you tell us about, uh, oh, I forget the name. I'd have to go to the top of your Instagram, but is it Les, Les Fines something? Les Fines Garnottes. Les Fines, Les Fines Garnottes. Yeah, tell us about that. And um... Yes, so <laughs> um, 
this uh, this is a group of uh, women and non-binary people that uh, we decide to cre create kind of last year with uh, Anne, uh, Anna and Louise. Um, now, if I interrupt you really quick, before, was it called the Graveleurs or something? Or Yeah, well, actually... The year, uh, two years ago, I started this by myself just because, uh -huh. um, uh, oh, something else that I have to, sure. uh, to mention you is that now one of my biggest passion in life is to create some, it's uh, like uh, ride with GPS uh, uh, itinerary, itinerary. Itineraries. Uh, yeah. Itineraries, thank you. That's I love to do this. I love to search for new place to discover, even in Montreal, a uh, new gravel path, yeah. and mm. you know, this something that I can like. Uh, I love to do this in Quebec, Montreal, but all around the world, kind of. Mm -hmm. But mostly here because I know the place and I know the environment. So. Yeah. Uh, the project Les Fines Garnot start with my, my passion about like I want to share the place that I I I found you know over the years and over the time that I'm passing on Google Map and on 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 my bicycle also so and a lot of people told me ah oh, Marpierre you know. I would like to go with you, but sometimes with other people, with men especially, I don't feel comfortable, you know. I, I, I feel that I don't know a lot about bicycle. And, and I was, you know, sometimes me too, I feel really intimidated uh, when I'm riding with other people. And sometimes it's because there's almost only men, you know. Yeah. I feel always alone so it's not for me even if i have some experience and everything i'm not the best in mechanical terms and i'm not a geek you know so sometimes i'm not able to like talk about like the bike shop conversation yeah. and you know so i was okay let's try this let's try right at the beginning it was woman bike gravel gravel ride for women and let's see you know we start uh and we go to la la, la voie maritime uh, really basic stuff mm -hmm. but over the time you know the people they come and come and they i had a lot of good uh feedback about this and also about the fact that the people they were oh i feel safe and wow, I feel confident in your group and that's nice. Oh, that's good. It's not like for performance. It's really for fun and to discover new places. And last year, uh, I met with Anna and Louise and they said, oh, let's do something a little bit more official. So that's why we came with Les Fines Garnottes. And what does that mean? <clears throat> it's the simple definition of gravel in the dictionary. Oh, Okay. Yeah, so gravel is the type of the, mm. the well, the gravel uh, gravel road or gravel yeah. rock, kind of. So that's the definition of like this. Like fine rocks or <laughs> like fine whatever. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, uh, yeah, so this year it starts with a, a, a new name and more official um, events. So 
we try to uh, to to explore new places uh, in Montreal, of course, because we all live in Montreal, the, the, the founder of this, but also uh, all around Quebec, you know, and last last summer we went two time on a weekend with a, a, a group of 10, uh, 10 persons, so oh. that was really a great experience, and the feedback are amazing, and, uh, you know, by myself, I don't feel enough confident to go for like really backpacking uh weekend but now with other people that's nice and so i'm really happy of this this group and the vibe of this group it's yeah. really friendly a lot of um i don't know it's there's a lot of friendship respect mm-hmm. oh, that's and uh, yeah and i think like i think like you said um creating a group that's really beginner based and you know i i know that here in ottawa i don't know anything about the groups actually but there are a few or maybe one there's a there's got to be some female cycle groups but i think what happens a lot of times is you know they might all be beginners together but as they progress and become stronger riders other people are worried they don't feel they can join because they know they can't keep up so it now becomes more advanced riders, and then there's it. It loses that sense of it's for everybody, right? Yes. So how to be a, how yes. are you gonna? Uh, my my question there is how will you keep this as something for everybody? As you know, the girls that are in the group become stronger and stronger. That's a really good question because it. To be honest, it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the rides are not for everybody. Especially this this year, we we just uh, we just realized like okay, like what type of people are coming, and mm-hmm. we have three different types of activity. But for sure, uh, the the activity like in Montreal, the little ride like once a month, thirty kilometers, something like this. It's really for everybody, but you need to have this adventure taste you know yeah it's it's you need to to do to 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 you you need to like to ride your bicycle in the wood it's still mm-hmm. and walk through water because i saw some of your pictures you guys were like pushing through yes of rivers course but and, yeah there's also some ride for more uh intermediate people mm-hmm. but it's difficult to find a balance yeah between everything because in the group the people that they come to to ride with us some of these people they are almost professional they are super strong mm. they are really advanced and still they come with us sometimes okay but we need to find a balance between all those people and this year that's what we we try we we try to learn you know and i don't have an answer exactly because we are still learning about yeah. this how that okay for for me it's really important the, the the beginner people you know i really want them to come but unfortunately they won't be able to come at all, all the time yeah all the time but yeah. at least some activity for all everybody mm-hmm. you know yeah it's a process it takes time and you have to yeah. iron out all the the difficulties and figure out how to make things work yeah. right but so, it's really interesting, yeah. So what kind of adventures do you have planned for next year? Um, for next year, 
Uh, well, this winter, as uh, I told you before the, the the start of the podcast, I would like to uh, start the, the the fat bike a little bit mm-hmm. to uh, to try this. I tried last year one time or two, but uh, this year we would like to do some uh, fat bike um, activity with Les Fin Garnot also. Oh, cool! So uh, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> So for me, that's a good uh, opportunity to discover a new, uh, a new, new, not sport, but it's quite different a new, than the regular bike. Yeah, a new and, type of biking anyways. Yeah. Yes, a new type of biking. Yeah. Uh, so that's the a little plan for this winter. And also with Les Fines Garnot for this winter, we would like to offer some like conference talk or a uh, little like topic evening uh, oh, about cool. different subjects so that's another project that we have with Lepin Garnot just to keep the community alive and yeah. to keep um to have opportunity to be together and to to brainstorm and to exchange some something all together because I think we have a, a strong group kind of and it's important to to keep this and to evolve all together in yeah. this but uh, after that, I would like to go to the to ride the Badja Divide uh, ah, this spring. Nice. So that's my uh, my big project for the and for that 2023. Or... Yeah, sweet. Um, I think I assume yeah. you're going to use the Taiga EXP with as big a tire as you can get on there. Yes, I will probably change the tire to put 2.6 inch. That's yeah. the maximum. Is it the that max? I didn't verify with Simon because I think if uh, I think probably because I was looking at it, I think if you you could maybe fit a two point eight if you because the back droppers are adjustable, so you could back it off a bit. Mm. But maybe ask Simon. Maybe he'll say yeah. Because yes. I, I know sometimes like my bike officially <clears throat> they say two point six inch because if somebody doesn't back off the drops, then they're gonna damage their bike. But you can fit three inches if you back it off because the the front fork will fit three for sure, and the back you can fit them if you just back oh, it up. So yeah. maybe you can fit bigger because I think if you're going the Baja, the bigger the better. Well, they suggest three at yeah, least. They do, huh? Yeah, they do. Inch. So uh, yeah, I will try to have the the, the bigger. Uh, oh, that'll be uh, so fun. Yes. Yeah, so I would like to take a month to uh, do this, but. Uh, I don't have any more time, so I, I, I will have a month uh, off work. So let's see uh, how far when I When are you thinking ride. to go? Because I guess it's you want to go <clears throat> earlier than later, right? I'm not sure. Yes, I will. The, I need to be back before May, that's for sure. Oh, okay. So probably uh, mid-March, something like this. Awesome. To mid-April. It's on my yeah. list, too. I want to go over there. I Only time I'm for... off. I'm a teacher. It's the summers. It's going to oh, be so hot. <laughs> well, that's another great profession to yes. ride your bicycle. Every summer. Yep. <laughs> uh, awesome. And any other plans after the Baja? That's kind of the big one for 2023 and then some smaller yes, adventures. Yes. After that, uh, I would, la- of course, uh, working with Lifin Garnot, it's take a lot of my summertime uh, I love it, so I just want to uh, to ride as much as possible with them. And you know, 
summer I like to be in in Quebec in Canada because you know that's the only nice season so for me it's not necessary to to go uh, to leave the, the mm-hmm. province and the, the country at this time and uh, yeah after that at the oh uh, in July this year it will be the log driver wall mm-hmm. so uh, I would like to uh, to be uh, to be there for the Grand Depart, really for fun this time. Okay. But uh, but still... With- but one minute faster. Yeah, one minute faster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it won't, it won't be the same state of mind for mm-hmm. me. So I, uh, And the, it's really an, an, an amazing uh, event. Yeah. And it's a, a good event to, to start in this, like, this field of, like, uh, bikepacking long distance also and... Yeah, and hopefully the uh, Canadian Shield in September. Yeah, you know it's uh, really interesting. I think it's a good time of the year to go to do it. Uh huh. And it's one thousand two hundred kilometers. I think it's like one thousand three, one thousand or four hundred. So you have a few choices. So that's nice. I like to have a long distance also. so it's uh, on my list. Excellent. And uh, after that, it's too far to plan uh, yeah. after September. No, so. that's that's like that's like yeah, it's another lifetime. Uh, anything else? Anything I missed that you want to talk about that I maybe glossed no, over? No, I think that's uh, that, that's great. You know, uh, I share with you my my passion about different uh, uh, yeah. different part of the the, the bicycle world and. Uh, and watch yeah. out if uh, now that uh, now that you've been on the podcast, Mary C- Mary Pierre Savard, everybody's going to start being like, "Oh, I heard about her." <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for being on the show. I really enjoyed having a chance to talk with you, and um, and you know, that you was d- great. And thanks. I'm sure we'll we'll meet in real life at some point in the next year. I think when you come to Ottawa, or if I come to Montreal, we'll have to of course, get out for otherwise. a bike ride. Is a nice, uh, nice place to ride a bike. So that's yeah. Come, we'll practice the Gatineau Park section. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right, you don't have to hang up, but I will end the recording yeah. and say bye. So bye, bye, Mary Pierre. Thank you for being bye. on the show, and uh, keep on pedaling. Thanks. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Marie Pierre Savard. It was really, really nice to to be able to finally uh, chat one on one with her. Um, something. Uh, I'd been hoping to message her for a while and it just took some time to get around to it. And yeah, it was fantastic. So thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And of course, if you have any questions or comments, uh, you can either message me or her. You can always uh, reach out to her if you have questions that relate to anything she spoke about today. So thank you and keep on pedaling. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. 
This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on pedaling.